Church, has God been good to you? He's been good to me. I'm glad you're here this morning. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and we just want to say thank you for being here, guests, members alike. So awesome to be here on this beautiful day. Uh, I've got with me an Easter invite card. How many of you have picked one of these up so far? Anybody? Not as high of a percentage as I would have hoped. Listen, church, I want to challenge you with something. On the way out, they're going to be on the pub tables on your way out. I want you to grab an Easter invite card. In a couple weeks, there's going to be a little Sunday called Easter. And around here at Holland Chapel, we love to celebrate Easter, the day that we celebrate that our God did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. Amen, church. And here's the deal. Here's what we want. We want at least... One of these cards to go out to a family member, to a friend, to a coworker. We want you to invite at least one person to Easter Church. That's a challenge. Do you accept the challenge, church? All right. Invite someone to Easter service. The gospel will be preached, and hopefully lives will be changed for eternity in Jesus' name. Well, this morning we are still in our sermon series called The Ten. And a pastor and I were discussing this past week, and I want to share a word with you that we described the series, gritty. Would you agree? It's been a grind. That's all right. It's a good thing. We love the Word of God. And listen to me, church. The Word of God is not always easy, is it? More times than not, it's difficult. So if you remember, uh, at the beginning of the series, week one, we had this sofa and this illustration that God is taking uh, his children, the nation of Israel, us, and he's putting us on the couch, and he's saying, hey, we've got to talk about some things. And if I'm being honest with you, church, I'm kind of tired of sitting on the couch. Anybody? Like, we only got two more weeks. We got nine and ten. Can we make it? Can we make it, church? But I feel like I need to encourage you a little bit as we come into the end of the series. I want to encourage you. Why don't you go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 20. We're going to read quite a bit this morning. Follow along with me. It says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Church, that's what we're reading over the last eight weeks. It's God's law. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. And we all say, praise God. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is when you got to turn the page or go to the next chapter, right? Can't stop there. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not, exclaimed Paul. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. A reminder this morning, church, 
that the law was given to us to show us how sinful we really are. And here's where we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful that each week when we examine the law and see what God requires out of us, that it doesn't drive us into a hole of despair, but it drives us into the arms of Jesus. Amen? Because if we're not careful, we're just going to look at the law, we're going to look at our sinful nature and go, I'm terrible. I'm awful. Why do I even come here? Why do I even read the word? Listen, church, that's the point of the law. So when we, when we leave here, it's all right for you to leave not feeling great about yourself. I know that's terrible to say from the stage. But what that does is it shows us each and every week our desperate need for Jesus. That we need him every single day. So the law was given to show us how sinful we really are. And if that's what the law is doing, it's doing that in my life, and if that's doing that in your life, then it's being accomplished. But we can't dwell in how sinful we are. we got to dwell in how good Jesus is. So I want to encourage you that God has a plan for your life. He wants you to pursue righteousness in all stages of your life. And the law is given to help us do that. But you can never lose sight of Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. Amen? With me? We feel encouraged? We're almost to the end. We're almost to the end. But this morning, I want you to write this word down. I want you to write reputation. Reputation. If we were to have a conversation this morning, more of you than not would say that you value having a good reputation, right? Your name matters. Would you agree with that, church? A good reputation is important. I think it matters to God. A wise man once wrote, a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. Anybody know who the wise man was? That was King Solomon. That's what he says about a reputation. Your name has value. And this morning, the challenge is we need to respect, I want you to write this down, each other's reputation. Respect their reputation. That's what God is saying in the ninth. We're going to read it in just a moment. Respect the reputation. You may be a person this morning that really does not care about your name or think that your reputation matters. Well, I want to inform you this morning that the Word of God says that your reputation matters. A person with a good reputation is a lethal weapon in the kingdom of God. This is what the Word of God says. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Listen, church, our reputation, our name is a big deal. How do we know this? Because we read in the 10 that God values his name. Do y'all remember that? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And if we are children of God, what that tells me is that God values your name. He values my name, and he values our reputation. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, let's look at the ninth commandment. It says, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Your version may read, do not slander or bear false witness 
or speak ill of someone. Don't lie about someone. Don't gossip about someone. Don't slander or cut someone down. It's a, it's a weighty commandment. And it's one that we're going to look at a lot of aspects this morning. But before we get going, let's touch on the, the context of this commandment real briefly. Deuteronomy chapter 19, 15 through 19. Its original intent was for the courtroom, okay? It says, you must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forward and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and accused must appear before the Lord by coming to the priest and judges in office at that time. The judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on the accuser the sentence he intended for the other person. In this way, you will purge such evil from among you. Its original intent was for the courtroom to protect reputations, to protect one another's reputation. Do not destroy someone's reputation. So again, write that down, highlight it if you have not. God is saying in the ninth commandment that we are to respect one another's reputation. Our name matters. God's original intent for your good name and mine was for yours to be held by you and for mine to be held by me. Something's going to read on the screen like this. We don't reserve the right to ruin someone else's name. Amen, church? That is not for you. That is not for me. Mom always told me that my reputation would stand based on what I did. Amen? Not on what anybody else says. So if you are a good person, guess what? You're going to have a reputation of being a good person. Guess that's what you do right? If you're a good business, you're going to have a reputation of being a good business. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. That is you up to you, right? That's up to you. We don't reserve the right to ruin anyone's reputation. Let that stand on its own. We see this in the courtroom still today, but we also see false witness played out in so many other ways in our culture, do we not, church? But God is serious about what we say to one another. This will be a warning this morning that God knows every word that's whispered. God knows every private conversation. He knows every hallway gathering. He, he knows every social media post. He knows every email sent, every text message sent, every letter written. God knows it all. And he is very serious about what we say. I'm going to quote Pastor Todd, but it's not just something that Pastor Todd said. He just said it this past week. He said, if you don't have anything nice to say, what church? Don't say anything at all. We're taught that when we are little. But how tempted are we as adults? A lot. God is so serious about what we say. He is serious 
about how we treat one another's reputation. I want you to write this down. First point for the morning, that God hates slander. I know you think that's an abrasive word, but it comes from the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 6, 16 and 19. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Down the list is this, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. Listen, church, when a short list of things that God hates is rolled out, we as his children should raise an eyebrow to it, amen? We ought to look and see what our God cannot stand. Lying, gossip, slander, false witness is something that he detests because he knows that it destroys the reputation of one of his children, and he hates it. He can't stand it. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 9. A false witness will not go unpunished, and a liar will be destroyed. God hates this sin because he knows the destructive power of the untamed tongue. Would you agree with me this morning, church, that our words have tremendous power? Would you agree? Tremendous power. And it's something we have to respect. We have to recognize. John Bloom, an author, writes this. Satan knows that slander deadens and splits churches. Many in here have experienced that. It poisons friendships and fractures families. He knows slander quenches the Holy Spirit, kills love, short-circuits spiritual renewal, undermines trust, and sucks the courage out of the saints. God is serious about what we say. James chapter 3, let's look and see what the awesome Pastor James writes, 7 through 10. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James calls the tongue demonic, full of poison. He says mankind can tame anything, but we cannot tame the tongue. Would you agree with that? And he writes of its destructive power, church, that what we say matters to God. So be ultra careful with how you handle someone's name. Write this down. Second point, don't devalue someone's name. This morning, we can spend a lot of time sharing stories, whether it be family members or friends or, or maybe that face, famous person that you, you, know, you, you read that Times article about, that something was said about someone and it destroyed their life. You thinking of anybody that you know? Maybe that's been you. Maybe some uh, false slander has been uh, said against you and it ruined your life, even for a short spell or maybe even till this day. We all can think of someone whose life has been ruined by something that was said. And what we have to understand this morning is that the weight of that person's reputation lies on what we say. We've got to be careful with what we say. Many people's had their lives and reputations destroyed. We see this happen in individuals, and we see this happen with businesses. We see it happen all the time because of what is said 
Last week we talked about not stealing. I want you to understand this. When you and I mishandle someone's name, we can rob them of their good reputation. We can steal from them their good reputation by one phrase, in the wrong moment with the wrong motive. We can destroy someone's life. What can happen is, in many cases, this will be a long-term or even a lifelong damaging effect. We can rob that person of a future joy, future job opportunities, future ministry opportunities, a future chance at love, whatever it may be. We can rob that person of a life simply by what we say and by mishandling their name. God is serious about this. And we need to understand this morning that we will stand before him and we will answer for every word. Matthew chapter 12, 35 and 36. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. That should cause every child of God to sit up straight in their seat. Amen? When I read this, when I study this church, when this really washes over me and I understand the weight, I don't want to say a word. Anybody else? Like We would just be better off if we were just a bunch of quiet people, right? Like We just didn't say anything. Because we understand how serious this is. God, God is saying protect one another's reputation. And the people of God should be pursuing holiness in all areas of life. This includes the words that we speak. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Each week we look and we see the commandment, what God rolls out. Maybe the punishment for this particular sin, whatever it is that we're talking about. We read from Scripture that God really, he doesn't like it, he detests it. But each week we have to leave here with a glimmer of hope, right? That, man, I can somehow, with the grace of God, I can overcome this. Because if we were just to say amen right now, we would all leave without any hope at all, that which everything we say is terrible. So how can we help one another overcome the ninth commandment? How do we have victory in the area of speech? How do I have Righteous speech. I want you to write that down. How do I have righteous speech? And I think we have a solution from the Word of God. Write down this point that we need to help one another. That we need to help one another. It's awfully hard to slander sitting in your living room by yourself. Slander takes an audience. If you're going to talk bad about somebody, somebody needs to receive the bad news, right? Like, it's, it's a two-way street. Like, you're not just going to talk to yourself about someone. This is a group effort. This is not going to be in, in the, the, the help, the four things that we're going to talk about. But listen, I think it needs to be said. If you are someone that is constantly finding themselves slandering, gossip, lying about people, then maybe you need to look at your friend group. Misery loves company. And if you find yourself always slipping into this, maybe you need to look at the crowd that you're hanging out with. Maybe they're enabling you. Maybe you need to find yourself some friends that won't enable 
slander in your life. But let's look at some four things. John Bloom wrote an awesome article on slander, and he gives four things for us to do to help each other with slander, to help each other in this area. The first thing that I want you to write down, if you have something to say, say it to the person. If you have something to say, say it to the person. We have lost the art of face-to-face conversation. Would you agree, church? We simply do not know how to have a conversation with another person. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately. Underline that, highlight that. Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Listen, not going directly to the person only perpetuates the problem. You're not dealing with it. You're just looking for an opportunity to talk bad about the person. Go to the person. And here's what I found when I go directly to the source. Nine times out of ten, it's just a misunderstanding. And if you were just to talk about it, you would see, man, we can work this out. We can reconcile. We can make things right. But so many times we fall into the temptation of going around the person just talking. Man, and before you know it, we've fallen guilty to the ninth commandment. We've slandered. Going directly to the source can do so much for your righteousness. We see a beautiful example in Acts chapter 18, 24 through 26. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Do you see what these precious saints of God did in this moment? You see what they did? They took him aside. Remember what we just read? They dealt with it privately. Why do, do we do this privately? To protect one another's reputation. In this moment, they were like, hey, Apollos, man, you're doing a great job. Great enthusiastic spirit. You're preaching uh, the, the gospel boldly. Come here. Come here, though. Hey, listen. Thanks for doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. However, you may have missed this point that Jesus was baptized to. You, 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 see, what they, you see what they did? Now, in this moment, they could have stood in front of people and said, hey, he's leaving out some truth. He's not completing the gospel. And they would have been right. Oftentimes when we say the right thing, we're justified, but it's not necessary. We have to take that person in private and say, hey, listen, let let, let me help you out a little bit. This is what happened here. You see this beautiful example that they give us? They protected Apollos' reputation by taking him aside in private, helping him. They could have destroyed his ministry by publicly shaming him. They would have been justified. He was messing up. But they didn't. They valued his reputation. The next thing that I want you to write down is we need to ask each other. Remember, we're helping one another. We're in this together. 
should we be talking about this? Followed by another question. You want me to help you reconcile? Should we be talking about this? How many times has your phone rang? Somebody just itching to tell you something, and and they start uttering the, the words. What if we were to say this? Remember, we're supposed to help each other win this together. Slander takes two people. What if, that, what if, what if you answer the phone and say, hey, man, we're not going to go there. We're not going to talk about that person. We're not going to slander them. It would shut it down, wouldn't it? Just immediately kill it. Should we be talking about this? What if we ask one another that question? How quickly slander would come to a stop. But I wonder... Do we entertain slander because we like it? What, what if we were to say, hey, this, we're not going to talk about this. How can I help you reconcile? 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. Anybody say Amen. And working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. I'm going to be honest with you. Give me a couple hundred acres, a house right in the middle, all by myself. I'm great. There's nothing wrong with a quiet life. There's nothing wrong with minding your own business. It's scriptural. But how often are we tempted to put our nose where it doesn't belong? The Word of God says, live a quiet life. How about this one? We've read it before in the series, Matthew 5, 23, 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Should we be talking about this and how can I help you make things right? Two simple questions. But church, here's where we're at. We got to go there. We're living in a unique time in the history of the world. We live in a time when our lives are digital. That our lives are online seemingly 24-7. That's where we're at. And with that, it opens the door to temptation that I don't think any other culture has ever faced when it comes to slander. And we so easily fall into that trap online. I want to read a quote from Greg Morris, who writes this, and he does a far better job than I ever could. He says, if the internet were scrubbed, if app stores were closed, and virtual freeways shut down, if at once all our online friends and followers vanished, The world's town square emptied, and none could scroll, upload, like, comment, or post. Would mankind be happier or sadder, more connected or lonelier? Would we wander into a new dark age or rediscover long-lost joys? Would our existence be better or worse? He says, whatever your answer, one clear reason to vote better would be the slander, gossip, false accusations that travel through our network devices. Many neighbors verbally assault their digital neighbor. Clan against clan, avatar against avatar, 
misrepresenting one another, lying about each other, presenting half-truths, and smearing reputations without remorse or apology. This online world is populated with more than a few who disregard one of God's most basic and most serious commandments, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Would you agree with what Pastor Greg said? Child of God, be very leery about what you post online. And maybe as you type it up, I'm not, I'm not saying this to be cheesy. I'm saying this to be real. Say, God, would you have me to post this? Boy, there would be a lot more deleted comments, wouldn't there? A lot more. We live in a society where we're so tempted by everything to review, to critique, to say whatever it is about anyone and anything. Child of God, be better than that. Remember, we're holding one another's reputation. Be careful with what you say about one another. The next thing that I want you to write down says, are you pursuing holiness in your attitude and actions? Remember, we're supposed to be asking one another these things. So when someone is in a conversation and they're tempted to slander, are you pursuing holiness? Are you pursuing righteousness? What's at the root of what you're doing? Nine times out of ten, if slander is involved, you're a little anger, you're angry, you're a little bitter. Like you, you want to say that about somebody because the devil's tempting you to say it about them. And so we need to help one another ask those questions. Are you pursuing holiness in your attitude and actions right now in this conversation? Would God be glorified with what you're about to say? Ephesians chapter 4, 31, 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Boy, wouldn't that be a wonderful world? Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What is the motive of what you're about to say? Ask one another that question. What's your motive? What's your attitude? Is it in the right place? Last thing here, how can we help? How can I help you value this person's reputation? What if we ask that on the other end of the phone? How often, how quickly that conversation would shut down, wouldn't it, church? Is what you're about to say going to hurt that person's reputation or going to build it up? What if we ask that question? I think you'd hear silence on the other end of the phone, wouldn't you? Remember, in the ninth commandment, God is saying, value your neighbor's reputation. Be careful with how you handle your neighbor's reputation. Be very, very careful. Child of God. Proverbs 22.1, we read it. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. What are you doing to protect your neighbor's reputation? When we ask this of one another, when we help one another, remember, it's a two-way street. you got to have an audience. When we help one another, we can slowly start to overcome the temptation to talk bad about each other, to, to, to slander, to, to lie. We can help each other in this area. That's what the family of God is for, 
to help one another, hold each other accountable with the words that we speak. Remember, we're going to have to give an account for it one day. How, how are we helping each other in the area of the ninth commandment? Our words have power, church. So make sure that your speech is used to glorify God and not destroy someone's reputation. Let's be careful with what we say. Let's help one another. Let's encourage one another. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it gives. Thank you for the weighty topic this morning. God, I'm so thankful that your word helps us. Yes, so often it tells us where we are wrong, but it doesn't leave us there in a state of despair. It helps us. It helps us to move forward. It helps us to repent. It helps us to see the error of our ways. But it also gives us encouragement and, and a way out, a way to overcome it. So God, we're, we're begging you this morning. This commandment gets me. Help me, God to be careful with every word that I speak. Help us, God, to be careful with every word that we speak. Help us to value and treasure our neighbor's reputation. It's not up to us to make or to break. Help us, God, to be careful. Help our speech to honor you And God, help us that if we truly have nothing nice to say, that we would say nothing at all. Oftentimes, silence is better. Help us, God, to honor you with our lives, every aspect, including our speech. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. That yes, as we look at the law, we see how in desperate need we are of his saving grace each and every day. Thank you for his perfection. Thank you for the cross. We ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen. Church, would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing a song, but I want to, I want you to challenge, uh, a challenge for you this morning during this response time. Absolutely. If you want to come down, confess your sin, you want to confess your sin right where you're at, just say, God, I'm sorry for how I've let my speech get away from me. But maybe right where you're at, you take this time as we sing as a church just to reflect. Just to reflect on how you use your words. And if there is error, you say, God, help me. I don't mean to. But it so easily trips me up. And maybe you just need to reflect on your own speech, no one else's. Say, God, help me with my words. Help my words honor you. However you need to respond to Jesus this morning, please do so.